What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I am your host, Chris, and I am your fantasy football advocate. If you are sick and tired of confusing and complicated stats when it comes to fantasy football, and you want a simpler approach that actually works, then you have come to the right place. Simpler does not mean stupid. It just means you don't want to have to try and figure out a college-level advanced physics problem to be able to set a quality lineup and succeed at fantasy football. That's it. Nothing to do with intelligence. But why would you want something overly complicated when you're doing a hobby you're supposed to enjoy? For some people, it works. For those of you it doesn't work for, that's why I'm here. On today's show, I'm going to tell you about players you may want to take a chance on, some you may want to be cautious of, and give you examples of some players who have had tremendously successful seasons, but have had several bad games during those seasons as a way to help show you that there's no need to overreact when a player has a bad week or two. Before we begin that, I want to mention a little note on Giants running back Saquon Barkley. And that note is, don't panic. Saquon is the focal point of the Giants offense. And even though he didn't have a great game Monday, considering he was more than likely the number two or three overall pick in most drafts, he will be fine. He is in a system with a young QB and a new coach and was facing one of the best run defenses in the league. The fact they involved him as much as they did in the passing game is really encouraging. Six catches and 60 yards is absolutely sustainable for Saquon Barkley. And if he has even a good rushing game, we're talking about a totally different storyline for his game Monday. He'll have better games. He's an elite player. This, however, is a great segue to the first part of today's show. What I have for you is four examples, two from last season, one from 2006, one from 2007. And I went so far back as a way to show you that the system for putting together a quality fantasy team and the way players have ups and downs hasn't changed. The winning formula hasn't changed. And regardless of how great a player is and how great a season they're having, they can still throw up a stinker every now and then. The first example, LaDainian Tomlinson from 2006. 1,800 plus rushing yards, 28 rushing touchdowns, had over 500 receiving yards along with three receiving touchdowns. Great season. I remember LaDainian Tomlinson from that time. Anybody who had the first overall pick for a three to five year span was taking LT number one overall, kind of like people did McCaffrey this year. He was a beast. Even if the rest of your team was mediocre, you still had a chance to win if you had the Danny and Tomlinson. However, he also had five games with zero touchdowns and five games with 71 or fewer rushing yards. Now, he was a great receiving back, and he had games where his stat line was not all that impressive. Yeah, he had some 25, 30 point games. There was a vast majority of people who had him on their team who won their league. And I don't think he won the league MVP that year, but he was in the race. And he had some games that just were not awesome. It happens. So Saquon having a bad game, not a problem. Don't worry. He'll be fine. He is the focal point of that offense. The next one, example, from 2007. Good old Tom Brady. One of the greatest seasons ever by a quarterback. Led the Patriots to the second ever undefeated regular season, for whatever that's worth. At the time, he set the single season record for passing touchdowns. Almost had 5,000 passing yards, only eight interceptions. However, he had two games with either zero or one touchdowns. He had a game with a QB rating around 50. Three very below average games during one of the best quarterback seasons ever. It happens. Nobody is foolproof all the time. So those are the two older examples. I also have two from this past season, 2019. The first one is, the guy I talked about a lot last episode, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas set the single season record for receptions last year. 1,725 receiving yards, averaged over 100 receiving yards a game, also had eight games without a touchdown. 
Now, it's nothing to hang your head about. A lot of great receivers only have uh, four or five, six touchdowns in a season. And you can have some lesser receivers who have 10 or 11. It just depends who's open in the red zone, what the big play capabilities are of the team. A lot of things factor into that. So nine touchdowns is awesome, but he had eight without one. He had three games at or under 55 receiving yards. Now, this is a guy who, like I said, set the reception record last year and had a, a whole mess of yards receiving. But he had three games where he was very mediocre. Now, it's a little bit different story this year with Michael Thomas because while you're certainly playing him if he's healthy, he's not right now. He did suffer that high ankle sprain during week one, and that kind of injury could be two weeks, could be four, could be longer. Uh, Timetables for recovery from this sort of thing differ from player to player. The one thing I can tell you for sure is the second he's healthy, he's back in your lineup because he's elite in every sense of the word. Then the last one. Christian McCaffrey from last season, one of the greatest all-around running back seasons ever, became one of only three players to ever get a 1,000-plus rushing and receiving yards, 2,392 total yards from scrimmage, 19 total touchdowns. He had five games with zero touchdowns. All those yards, all that scoring. He had five games with no scores. Six games with 55 or fewer rushing yards. And we're talking about one of the elite players of this generation, possibly the best player of his generation at running back position. Obviously, you know... Kind of subjective, quarterback, receiver, running back. But great player is a great player. Now, I bring in these examples not to put down these players and the great careers they've had or are having, but to give you examples that no matter how talented a player is, no matter what the stat line is at the end of the season, very few, if any, player has ever had a season where every single performance is a weak winner. The only one I can really think of is Peyton Manning in 2013. But even then, he had a game or two where he was a little shaky. Nobody is perfect all the time. Nobody is on all the time. It just doesn't happen. The best player in the league is going to have a game where you look at him and go, why did I draft you so high? And then they'll go crazy the following week and you'll go, oh yeah, that's why. Nothing to worry about. All right, next up, I'm going to present to you something I'm going to do um, probably every Thursday. I'm going to give you some players to that are worth taking a chance on and some players that you're going to want to be cautious of. And again, it's not necessarily telling you drop a star player and pick up this guy. Or if it is a star player, hey, don't play him. It's just I'm going to point out some things about their season to this point or the opponent they're playing that might help you to format the remainder of your team around them so you have a better chance to win. The first one, and the players worth taking a chance on, is Darius Slayton of the New York Giants. Now, he is the number two receiver on a depth chart behind Sterling Shepard. But that isn't always a bad thing. Being a number two running back is, a, is is far more of a downer than being a number two receiver. Number two receiver is still on the field a ton. He's pretty clearly the big play threat. But he can also catch some quicker, closer routes too. He's not just a big play guy. It is only his second year. And while he did have some hit or miss games last year, he is clearly someone who is gaining the trust of Daniel Jones, who is also a second year player. So they're kind of growing together. Which is good because there's a comfort level there and there's a good rapport between the two. He will have some down games. He's a second-year player, like I said, and I just you know showed you with the previous segment. No matter how good you are, you're going to have some down games. But he's without question one of the potential, potential breakout stars in the league. I actually had two teams I did not have him on. I made sure I got him off waivers this week. I don't know if I'm going to start him in every league. One of my will because I'm hurting a receiver a bit. But the other one, I'm not, I'm not positive because I do have some guys above him who are more proven. But he's definitely a guy you want to pick up 
and at least put on your bench because there's a lot of potential there. Next one is Malcolm Brown of the Rams. I know last episode I said don't overreact, but starting running backs in the NFL are a premium. You don't, I mean, like I said, there's two to three starting receivers on every team. There's one starting running back. There's one primary guy. And although the Rams did say they're going to go by committee, Malcolm Brown got the largest share of running back carries. The Rams did draft Cam Akers, and it did look to everybody from the outside looking in that they wanted him to be the guy. But that doesn't mean he'll be number one right away. They drafted Daryl Henderson in 2019. Everyone thought he was going to be the guy to pass Malcolm Brown, who was Todd Gurley's backup at that time, and that never really panned out. And he hasn't really done much in his rookie season. Didn't really do a lot the other day because he's kind of third on the depth chart. Talented kid, really fast. But, you know, it just goes to show you, you never really know exactly where someone's going to be, what a team has in mind when they draft somebody. Malcolm Brown rushed 18 times for 79 yards and two touchdowns. And he was also involved in the passing game. He had three catches for 31 yards. Not monster numbers receiving-wise, but it's a couple extra points here and there. Cam Akers did have 14 rushing attempts. Not nearly as successful as Brown. And when they were in the red zone, when they were close to the goal line, Malcolm Brown did get those carries and ended up getting the two touchdowns. That should tell you when it comes to the trust factor, they're a little higher on Malcolm Brown right now. Doesn't mean Brown is the top flight running back. Doesn't mean he's up there with Alvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, CMC, Zeke Elliott. Doesn't mean that at all. Don't overreact. But also, if you have someone on your bench who got injured or really didn't do anything at all and you picked him up on a flyer, it'd be worth dropping him to pick up Malcolm Brown. Again, much like Darius Slayton, even if you don't start him, have him on your team. Have him on your bench because injuries happen all the time in the NFL. So I picked up a guy like an Alexander Madison from Minnesota. Dalvin Cook has a bit of an injury history. Now, he's the number one without question in Minnesota. If he goes down, though, he gets hurt again, Alexander Madison's stock is going to go way up. And I don't have anybody better. So I put him on the bench and I let him sit there. You see it every year. Those kind of moves can win you your league. Anybody who's played fantasy football for a, a, a good enough period of time will tell you, you don't win your league on draft day. You win your league with the moves you make throughout the season, which is why I'm here to help you. Third person on my list of players you may want to take a look at, Benny Snell, running back for the Steelers. Snell looked really good on Monday. He ran 19 times for 113 yards. Uh, He's not much of a pass-catching threat. I didn't really see him in college, but apparently that's kind of been uh, his MO, is he's not really a pass-catcher. He's more of a pure runner. But James Conner is injured again. Who knows if he's going to miss any time. It looks like he may miss this weekend's game. If he does, Benny Snell could be somebody you definitely want to have on your bench. And considering Conner, unfortunately for him, seems to be injury-prone, and if Snell is going to be the guy who gets the lion's share of the work, if Connor isn't there, he looks like a really solid runner. And when you start getting really, really into the weeds, you know, the middle, later part of the season, when talent on the waiver wire is really, really slim, you would regret not picking up a guy like Snell if he's available. It'd be worth picking up, again, like the other two guys, picking up, at least putting on your bench just to see what happens. Okay, now for the, well, I don't want to say bad, but because these are far from bad players. Maybe cautious is the better word to use. Players to be cautious of based on their matchups this week. And the number one for me, without question, is Deshaun Watson, quarterback of the Houston Texans. They're going against the Baltimore Ravens. I'm obviously not saying don't start him, you should bench him. Absolutely not. He's the kind of talent that, despite who he's playing, can have a great game whenever he steps on the field. But Baltimore is a top defense, and they're better than the Chiefs. And they were able to slow down what looked like a very inept Texans offense. Based on what we all saw the opening night, 
Watson seemed to be out there alone by himself at times. David Johnson had a decent game. The fact none of the receivers were able to step up meant they weren't fooling anybody when David Johnson ran or when they ran shorter screen plays to try to draw the defense in to stretch the field. It, it wasn't working. Deshaun Watson just looked like he was a man out there on an island all by himself. So I'd be wary. You're going to start him, but be prepared. You may have another down game with him but going against the Chiefs and then the Ravens to start the season back-to-back. He's going to have better matchups. It's going to get better. So don't panic on him, but be prepared. You might have a down week. The next guy, Melvin Gordon running back for the Broncos. Had a nice first week with his team. No, he didn't tear up the field, but he had a solid game. Ended up with a late touchdown. Uh, the only problem is Philip Lindsay left that game with a, with a uh, sprained toe. And you might be overhyping Melvin Gordon because he's more than likely going to pick up at least a share of the workload Philip Lindsay would have. Now, even if Lindsay plays, probably won't be as much as he normally would because of that toe. Gordon should see more action. The issue with that is while he's a capable receiver out of the backfield, he's nowhere as good as Saquon Barkley. Yeah, the same Saquon Barkley that was just shut down by the Steelers' front seven that Gordon and the Broncos will be facing this weekend. So he's not at Saquon's level receiving. Saquon even struggled to have a good game. And while, like I said, don't worry about that, he'll be fine. Uh, you may be in for a disappointment if you start Gordon in your number one running back slot, which hopefully you drafted better than to have Melvin Gordon be your number one running back. But that's a different story. But don't be surprised if there's a bit of a letdown. The last guy on the list, Emmanuel Sanders for the Saints. Super talented receiver. He's a veteran. And with Michael Thomas sidelined with the high ankle sprain, you could be chomping at the bit to start him. And if this was Emmanuel Sanders from four or five years ago, I'd be right there with you. But it's not. He's a very capable number two. And with Drew Brees at quarterback, you know he'll see targets. The issue will be if he can make anything of those targets. And you add to that Alvin Kamara, without Michael Thomas there, is now the undisputed focal point of that Saints offense. There's no guarantee Sanders will be treated like the number one target. It's possible Sanders could go out and have a great game and get you eight catches for know, 100 yards and a touchdown. But reality is probably far less promising than that. I can understand if you want to start him, take a chance. I get it. I couldn't blame you for that. But you could be setting yourself up for another letdown. On Monday, I'll be going over the major happenings of week two that may affect your fantasy team, as well as some of the biggest one-hit wonders in the history of fantasy football. These could be players that may have had, you know, one great season or even only one great game, and then people absolutely lost their minds over them, only for that player to never duplicate that success. I do this as a way to help you understand the consequences of drastically overvaluing a player and trying to help you react to your team's performance consistently. That is going to do it for today's episode of the Fantasy Football Advocate. If you enjoy the show, I'd love it if you could leave a rating and review and possibly even tell a friend about the show and help me spread the word. I would certainly appreciate that. I am hoping over the next few days to get a website up of some sort, as well as a social media site or two, as a place for you to get in touch with me. However, if you want to get in touch with me now, you don't have to wait until then. You can email the show at theffadvocate at gmail.com. I'll put the address in the show description. Good luck with your games week two. Please play smart, have fun, and I'll talk to you Monday.